I am so excited because, and I think I, I blew sunshine up your skirt last time, Bootsy. I'd been listening to your pod, you know, longtime fan, um, first time interviewer. (laughs) So it's pretty fun when you get to fangirl, um, over (laughs) someone that you've actually just been following for a long time online. So I am absolutely thrilled to have you here. Um, Bootsy, are we calling you Bootsy? Are we calling you by, uh, Lene, um, (laughs) I'm going to call you Bootsy because that's how I first met you. And, um, Mr. Bootsy as a producer, comedian, MC, author, and student of the mysteries of the universe. He's a voice who inspires people to discover the nature of reality through humor, love, and encouragement. Owen Bootsy. I'm just reading here. So that's your fault. Um, Bootsy is the host of Blue Collar Mystics, creative producer at Shadow Walk Films, and the creator of Blueprint to Happiness Program, an intensive course designed to help you find and implement your life's purpose. So, you know, just a small bill there. Um, So once again, thank you for generously donating your time. I already have a million questions for you, but firstly, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um... Yeah, it's it's been it's starting to get cold now. It's winter time, so I'm kind of settling in. We just had our last kind of big Airbnb weekend or whatever football weekend here in town. So what I'm makes I'm, your, I'm nesting. What makes it the last. Well, it's like the so last the, like big football game, I guess. Oh, I thought the sports ball was like just getting warmed up. It is, but as far as like home games here in the town where I live here in ah, Athens, it's okay. pretty much there's one more, but. Yeah, I'm I'm like I'm nesting. I'm like enjoying my house. I'm getting warm and like snuggling. I'm 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 excited about like I'm very I'm a very seasonal person I've learned over the past couple of years. You know, winter is definitely a time to reflect and dig and give some attention and be at home and all that. And uh and I'm I'm looking forward to it. That's what I've been doing today is kind of hanging around the house and really just being home <laughs> when you're on the road a lot, as you know, <laughs> being home is a luxury. You don't get it that often. So I'm trying to um, just enjoy it. I have also noticed how seasonal I am and like how what I actually allow myself to, <laughs> I shouldn't say actually, I've gotten much better at it. Um, but when I tune into not just my own seasons, but you know, the world's seasons at it makes everything a lot easier and you can actually do a lot of planning and building and creating by utilizing that energy. So it, it can be very, um, synergistic when you, when I, when my ego lets, lets me <laughs> make things easier. Yeah. I, um, I think that sometimes like I want to beat myself up for not doing this or not doing that, but I think often it's just not the season for it. And if I can just let the season come and then I'll, I'll be productive in, in the other ways. It's like, I want to beat myself up when I don't have like a momentum or I'm not in flow to finish a certain task or do a certain project. And I'm like, well, I should do it. But it's like the season's pushing me to do something different. So instead of wasting energy on thinking about what I should be doing, I should just continue doing what I'm doing. And then the time for me to do the next thing it will it will reveal itself, you know? And so in the summertime is such a busy time. It's kind of hard to, 
stick to any stringent like online schedule as well. It's better. It's better to be away anyway. I think people just kind of get lost and detached from a lot of the online stuff, which is a lot of what my work has been, I would say, recently. I kind of everybody's kind of has shifted to more online over the past couple of years, I guess. I want to like dial into all of this, but um, maybe taking a big step back because how did your work get online? How did we get here? Like, I usually kind of like to start with the origin story and your choice. You can tell us, I mean, firstly, I think your story is incredible and I'm going to ask you about all of the things. So spoiler alert, but (laughs) you know, I, I, I would be curious either on your thoughts of like, how did you get here, you know, to be nesting in your home or how did you find yourself here in this particular conversation? I think you could explore either and our listener will appreciate both. Yeah, I'm happy to. Found a very mysterious book. I was really into self-development and self-help, reading as much as I could. Really, one of the first ones that really resonated with me was Self-Reliance by Emerson. And that became kind of a a go-to. I read it a lot often. But in 2016, I found a book called Reality Transurfing. And uh, at that time, I really wasn't doing anything with my life. I, I was just bartending and not doing a whole lot. And uh, I found that book. And maybe six months after that, I started doing an Airbnb business. And uh, it started doing pretty well. And then I was working on and off in film for a long time. And I wound up getting a really cool opportunity to work in in film on a Netflix, what would be a Netflix. It was an MGM at the time, but uh, what would be a Netflix movie <clears throat> in 2018. So right around then, the, the the book was kind of a catalyst for me to do some reevaluations and to kind of recontextualize the world. Like prior to that, I was probably in a little bit more of a, a victim mentality, probably a little bit more negative as far as the world and helpless feeling. But that book really helped me to understand some some of the principles that were probably outlined pretty well in Emerson's book. But he had such a unique way of presenting the information and as like a quantum physics way, not very, not very woo-woo or at least less woo-woo than most, you know. I created the audiobook for that and put it out. And uh, and that got a little bit of attention as well on YouTube. And uh, and <clears throat> from there, I just started making some videos and different things like that. At the time, I, I didn't think people really had grasped the material or a lot of people were talking about it. It's a big-ass book, right? And so I definitely <laughs> read it. I had to. I edited a lot of the chapters making the audio book because I just, I just felt like it would be helpful. It helped me. So I wanted to do something like that. And and that got a, a good bit of attention. And and that's kind of how I got into where I am now, which is doing the coaching thing, helping people find purpose and being an entrepreneur. But in 2016, that was my first glimpse into doing any kind of like my own business. Well, you know, I had tried before, but my, that was the first time I had a really successful business was doing the Airbnb thing. And uh, and it just led to so many other possibilities and opportunities. And a lot of that had to do really with the way that I changed my perception about the world. I was able to 
it, it was a big hack for me to to see this quantum idea that infinity is real and whatever it was that i wanted already existed so less about having to strive to like create or make this thing and just realizing that it's just it's just in the ether you just need to choose like instead of a lot of the more modern spiritual books they would say manifest or some sort of magic principle which i I think that's all valid i think they're all just outlining the same thing i just needed a different vernacular i needed to surf some different vocab you know in order to uh make these principles make sense to me but that that's the big idea i think in that book is it's like you don't have to like in the very beginning he's talking about him having a dream and being in this beautiful garden village and talking to the overseer of it and the overseer is just like you could live here you just have to choose and then he starts arguing with the overseer like man i can't do that like you know and he's like well you're proving my point and then he goes on for almost a thousand pages and ultimately reveals sort of the method of choosing throughout all of those chapters everything that's involved all these nuances and really kind of analyzing energy on on a, a a cool just in a very objective way i would say so i think that's kind of how we got here i don't know <laughs> yeah no 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 Told, i mean there's like you know there's spoiler alert there's no one right answer so <laughs> it would make everything so much easier if there were oh, no i'm i'm just always curious uh what do you think, like you said, you kind of were more the victim mentality and you got really into like reading these books and I actually haven't read Self-Reliance by Emerson. I am, that's going on the ye old book list uh, nice. for sure. But what, <laughs> like, can you remember when or why that shift where you kind of went, I'm, I'm, I've got like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to argue that I don't get to be in the beautiful garden. Like, in fact, I'm going to explore maybe some different ways of thinking about things. Yeah. Before I was really into, I was reading a lot. I was very curious and learning a lot about history and contextualizing the world. And a lot of those conclusions that I came to, what one person would define waking up is probably not the same thing as another mm. person would describe yeah. waking up, right? Like, but I definitely saw the power structure that was around us that I had never seen it before. And so that revelation of sort of just seeing the matrix and how limiting it is and can be, it was a really difficult spot. Like I, I was coming to grips with a lot of things, what I had learned to be true in our institutions and just kind of believed and kind of took for granted beliefs about the world were being challenged and they never had really been before. So it was a lot to integrate. (laughs) It was a lot to explore and, and uh, come to terms with. And it made me sound like the kind of crazy person at Thanksgiving. Who's like, they're going to get us, you know, like the sky is falling kind of little red hen kind of thing. And I, and I got tired of that. Like that got old pretty Mm. quickly. You know, I didn't want to be in a helpless state. I didn't want to be emotionally, you know, bankrupt just like, or black pilled or whatever. I didn't want that. So I was seeking out information, reading Buddhism and Taoism and everything I could to get a handle 
on it. But I was kind of coming from like that first original kind of realization was very material. You know, it, it just was. And so I needed something deeper. And that's, that's why I think I started really digging into like spiritual books and these great thinkers like the transcendentalists, like Emerson and the Tao and, you know, all of this stuff, just reaching and searching for it. Cause I had grown up Christian, you know, I'm in the South. So we were Christian growing up, but it wasn't, it was, it was just going to church pretty much. We had some pretty interesting influences because there were a couple of years where we were in the Pentecostal church and there's all the, you know, the crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Speaking of tongue, all yeah, that yeah. good stuff. All that, all that. That was good ultimately because, you know, in that first realization or paradigm shift or whatever, um, I was leaning into very like materialism, very objectivist kind of philosophy. Like, well, if it's not hard and I can touch it with my hands, then it's not yep. real. Yeah. And that seed of seeing some pretty weird shit, <laughs> spiritual stuff in the church always stuck with me because I couldn't explain it. So <clears throat> that, that, that I think that ultimately did help me. But those books like the Kabbalion and you know, all this early new thought mm -hmm. kind of stuff, like the science of being great, the science of get, uh, Wallace D. Waddles, which is like the funniest name, but he wrote so many books and all these old early 1900s, like new thought books uh, that I was reading and enjoying in modern self-help books as well. Just trying to re I'd really just try to rebrainwash myself <laughs> with, <laughs> with as much positive information as I could because I just got tired of being feeling helpless. But what mm -hmm. really clicked it together was that I was this idea that, oh my God, you know, I can't, I don't have to like try and put in all this effort to get to the lifeline that I want. The lifeline that I want, it already exists. Mm -hmm. So I just need to strategically choose how to put myself in that position. How do I get there? And to become an entrepreneur, that was definitely part of it. And I had the opportunity. I was just working at the bar. I was working really hard at the bar and just taking all my bar money and remodeling condos and like furnishing them and putting them on Airbnb. And that was kind of how that started. And, um, and that felt really good. It was like kind of the first time I ever had success in business by myself. You know, didn't have to work for somebody else. And then I, I got the opportunity to just do more things. And, uh, you know, and then I've, at this point, I'm reevaluating again. We're probably going to do something different, you know, and that's kind of fun to start over again. How long was that kind of process for you just in terms of going like, I don't want to feel sorry for myself or, or you know, vilify the world anymore to like when you feel like that transition really kind of started to actually just feel like normal, like instead of you were trying to learn and trying to integrate, like it actually had, you were, you know, embodying it. And then how long from there, like, did you start seeing the results, mm. if you will? Yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of that has to do with, with saturation and, and, they, and things do take time. That's one thing yeah. I've definitely had to learn. And the universe will teach you patience. You you will have yeah. no choice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Something else you don't have to try very hard for. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm typically not a very patient person, so I would want mm. results now and fast. And I've changed my tune on that actually, and what I've been pursuing recently, just because I want to enjoy it. I don't want to yeah. try to rush through it. You know, I think it's fun and funny, and there are things about it that 
I can remember and there'll be memories down the road, you know, instead of trying to rush the process. But repetition for me, like finding that book and then reading it, I probably read it. I've at least read it a hundred times for sure. There's yeah. no doubt about it. That particular one. And I think it's more important to re to find something and then just practice it than reading everything. I mean, part of it was reading everything because that led me to the thing that resonated. So there's nothing wrong with exploring options, but I think it's uh it's more if you can just find a process and stick with it, something that you will work for you. It's kind of like a diet or an exercise plan, you know, what is the thing that will work for you? And the biggest things for me were widening and still are, uh, it's all attention based, really, you know, widening the gap between stimulus and response. And you can read Stephen Covey's book and he talks about that in the first chapter, you know, it's yep. seven habits, you know. Yeah, that was that was my uh inaugural inaugural. That was my initiation into uh the self-help and development. I think my dad like threw it at me as I was like, <laughs> fuck you, I'm out. <laughs> Such a great book, you know, the principle of seek first to understand, then be understood. Like, I think that's one of the main core tenets I try to try to remember and operate from as often as possible. But it's one thing to know that. And it's another thing to be able to do it. And that comes from being in a state of presence and not for the sake of presence. Like everybody, like it's not an end in itself. You know, the idea to be present is to create the future. Because if we're not present now, then we're just letting whatever happen unfold instead of having an intention about it. So to me, that's the point of the power of presence or the point of presence. I don't think it's just some end in itself, you know. You watch like the Yuri Bismanoff uh, interview and he's talking about how when they're infiltrating society, they love to put like Eastern uh, religions too because people will just sit and stare at their yeah. navel <laughs> while they sneak in behind them. You know, <laughs> 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 so it's a, it's a, everything is about balance. You know, that's the core tenet of transurfing too. Like he gets to the fourth chapter, but he's like, there would nothing would congeal. Like everything would just be loose goo if there wasn't balance. And so that's the main real tenet of it. And I think a lot of the reason why people can't get manifestation to work for them is that they don't understand the nuance of it and how you can actually play the negative of it. That's one thing he turned, he, he really points out as saying, you know, we always get what we don't want, you know, because we agree in the deepest part of our being and our mind is like, yes, I definitely don't want that, <laughs> which is like a magnet, just bringing it to us. And if we can use the other uh, principle, then we can, we can draw that positive lifeline, that thing that already exists out in the ether closer and closer toward us as we go toward it. I think it's, you know, it's really about both of those things, but yeah, the biggest challenge is just not reacting, you yeah. know, like creating and cultivating that space. The inner observer is what he calls it. You know, the other terms, the watcher, all these Eastern terms, same, same thing. But just when something happens, instead of just knee-jerk reaction, you know, the free will is in that space of between stimulus and response. That's what the book is at. Well, I mean, I was going to say like, and feel free to disagree with me on this one, but do you, this is going to sound flippant, but I say this with like the utmost respect and having um, truly 
gone down like the rabbit hole in every single one of these like books or teachers or um, systems, if you will. But Mm -hmm. like, do you sometimes feel like that they're all kind of talking about the same thing? It's just finding like the words and the, and the step-by-step approach that, like you said, really does actually resonate for you. I think they are. I think they're all saying the same thing just in different ways. And that's why there are so many great books about it. And so many people write, you know, I do. Yeah. I believe it's all from the same source. And I just needed a little bit of a different vantage point. Cause like I watched, and I'm sure most people did right? the secret when it came out. And it's no, like, I've, I've never actually seen the secret. <laughs> uh, there was these two comedians in Australia um, that used to do this kind of like sort of real time <laughs> improv show. And they were the, all I remember is they were driving around in a parking lot and they were like, there's a parking space, there's a parking space, there's a parking space. And then they just crash into this car. <laughs> the secret didn't work. <laughs> so that was <laughs> That's hilarious. I love but, that. I, I hear a lot of people talk shit about the secret, um, especially people that feel like they are, you know, more like experts. I mean, experts isn't the right word, but people who are very well versed and practice in this concept of creating your own reality. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like anytime something super mainstream or like, you know, on the Oprah book club, I'm probably not going to pay a lot of attention to it, but sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no, that's, that's, you're right. I mean, it just doesn't point out any of the nuance. It's this like, really oversimplified and anything in the mainstream is going to be that way. It just doesn't work. Like nothing with nuance is palatable in mass. So that's not how a mainstream idea works. So it becomes simplified. It becomes misunderstood and, and misused. It's just the nature of it. But that's what's so interesting about like the idea in itself is not wrong that you, you can manifest or whatever as, as silly as that sounds. But I just, I love the, I like the vernacular choice better to me. It illustrates the process better because this is something that we're naturally doing. So when he says choosing, you know, what does he, what does that mean? Like that's a whole lot to unpack. It's like a thousand pages of stuff to unpack, but for us to choose our own reality, it's really about uh, learning how to be present in the moment and adjust the way that we react to things. And that's the basic thing. It's like nobody ever complained their way to the top. So this positive mindset, it definitely helps. And even from a practical point of view, if you're walking around and you're in a good mood, then you're going to be more approachable, more conversational, et cetera. It all follows from that. Whereas if I'm just have my head down and I'm bummed out, like nobody's going to go out of their way to do anything for me necessarily, at least not the majority of times. So, you know, from a very practical place, you know, those things help kind of bring us to that reality. And I think that's what everyone is trying to do is say, Hey, here's how you can impact your life. Here's how you can do accomplish your goals and do the things that you want to do internally. I, I believe everybody has a purpose. And, uh, and so here's how you can do that. But people just, I think, like you said, they need to find the right terminology that works for them that makes sense and whatever that model is it could be and it can be your own too so something i wanted to ask you about because i mean in terms of purpose it seems like you are doing so many things and i noticed you left off of your bio raft guide which is kind of one of my more favorite (laughs) 
I need to uh, put that up. I have Purposeful to, activities. Yeah, I have to update that. <laughs> but how, you know, a lot of the external guidance suggests like you have a purpose and mm-hmm. you have to do a thing. And for someone who is clearly multi, multi-passionate, as we like to say in the industry, but how like... Firstly, how do you do everything that you do? But I think deeper than that, it's like, how do you pull that thread and follow that? Because I think that is a huge part of this manifestation, finding your purpose, living in authenticity, creating everything, you know, creating your reality is like the discernment between what's for you in this moment now, not maybe what was for you. Like, it sounds like you're kind of in a transitionary period as well. So super long multi-part question. Let me scale it back down. Um, Like, how do you do it all? And how did you give yourself permission to do all of the things that you do? Yeah, I think uh, that's a really good question. I, th- I think the most important thing is to just pick one thing that you can allow yourself to do. And that will start to really pull on that thread. You know, it's the Weezer song, the sweater song or whatever. Yeah. Uh, whatever that is. And for, you know, for a lot of people that could be like morning pages or meditation or, or whatever, but really just allowing that, uh, whatever that one little thing is, cause you can start really small. It doesn't have to be anything big and, uh, and it doesn't have to be a jarring kind of uh, transition into doing all these, you know, different things. I'm, I'm lucky that I live where I live and I've had as many opportunities as I do. And most of, most of the stuff just comes just through, I'm curious, you know, what is it that you're curious about? Follow that. You know, I I was on a beer uh, tour not too long ago at the local brewery down here. And the guy was like talking about why they call it creature comforts. And then he said, it's because when I you, love creature comforts. It's so good, right? Like everybody it's knows so creature comforts. It was in Thor now, you know? Uh, but yeah. that's right down the street from my house. Oh, cool. That brewery. And uh, what he said on the brew tour was they, they had left Sweetwater. One of them was at Sweetwater. One of them was at Terrapin. And okay. they, they left and to start their own, these two brewers. And uh, he was like, because, because curiosity leads to passion. Passion leads to purpose. And purpose leads to fulfillment. And then you can enjoy the creature comforts. So that was like overheard on a beer tour <laughs> when I was uh, working in a, on a on a little TV show that actually never got aired here in Athens. Uh, oddly enough, I, I took a couple of friends and we overheard that. But I, that always stuck with me. So the curiosity is really that's the jumping off point, and uh, you know to just simplify it, giving yourself that time, that space for reflection or whatever that is to you, you know, it could be writing goals or, you know, all that stuff. It's funny when, like when you first start the <laughs> self-development process and it's like, you write these things down and you're like, Oh, I'll write it down once, but you're going to write that shit down like hundreds of times. You yeah. know? <laughs> it's a lifestyle change really. Um, but I, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I'm really lucky that I've had the opportunity to do so many things, but I was just really curious about, stuff. And I wanted to know what my purpose was. So I was like, maybe my purpose is to be a scuba dive instructor. And I thought I was going to love scuba. I hated it. It was the worst. (laughs) I came up and I was all messed up with the inner ear stuff and had nosebleeds and felt claustrophobic, but I tried it. And that was how I found out that it wasn't what I was going to be passionate about. <laughs> you might be dying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, doing the morning pages has been a big, it's the little things too, I think, you know, we, we're both big fans of Stephen Pressfield and doing the work and putting those little consistent movements, like the, 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 what would you call it? Uh, like Kaizen, you know, back to patience, yeah. just chipping away at something. Well, in um, Morning Pages, it's Julia Cameron, right? From The Artist's Way. Yeah, it is. That, you know, it's funny. That was, I'm trying to think of when that book, it was so early on. Um, and I mean, that book is was old. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I started when I was really working with artists and probably when I was like trying to be a music producer. Um, so that was like circa like early, early 2000s. But yeah, I mean, people still cite their morning pages as their their ritual, their practice, um, their devotion to their creativity. You're reminding me of all these great books. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Well, I think just making that space for ourselves, it, it, it really yeah. shows ourselves that, hey, I'm here for you. I, I'm, I'm, I want to give you what it is that you want. The idea of like heart and mind or soul and, mm. you know, conscious mind or whatever, like really as far as authenticity goes and everybody is saying the same thing. They just have different ways of saying it. Like I love Gurdjieff. Gurdjieff is talking about self-remembering, you know, and then all the Eastern stuff, you know, Maharaj or even Ram Das, you know, whomever it there, we're all saying the same thing. It's really about that authenticity. It's like, if you, if you're truly being your true self and it's so easy for you to identify your goals and to be able to take the actions to, to move toward them. It's all in alignment. So there's so much less resistance there. That's the big thing I think uh, that he talks about in that book and that is really glossed over and things that are simplified, like the law of attraction from the secret. It's like we always have a like an emotional, I would call it like weather system <laughs> that we're like tuned into with the universe. Every single one of those causes, those emotions, they like go out. And they mm. have effects. Um, they just do. It's why it's hard to get something that you really want. You're putting resistance out there in, in this energy and des and desiring it. And, and Well, because you you're, you're saying, I don't have this. Yeah, you're definitely saying that. You're saying it hundreds and then, yeah, of times. And so that's where... <laughs> and, and like... It, well, this kind of goes back to your presence. It's in that present moment where you can go, oh, I want this. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Not like, oh, it sucks. I don't have this. But And it's such a subtle. And then you can be like, sweet. Like I just, to me, I look at that. Like I just expanded my capacity for desire. Like that's, it's like that, that like subtle difference between like envy and jealousy. Like envy can be a point of expansion. Like, oh, now I see something. I perceive myself as not having and I want it. Cool. Like great. I get it. It's here. It's like, to your point, like that means now this thing is here that I might not have known five minutes ago. I actually wanted until I felt that, that information essentially of like, Oh, this is something I don't perceive myself as having in this moment. And I want it. Or <laughs> those were thumbs up yeah. or thumbs down for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. I forget sometimes doing Man. sad clown, happy clown. <laughs> Maybe it's just clown. <laughs> but, uh, it's so interesting because I I was an I was raised as an anti theist. My father's whole family was lost in the Holocaust. My mother's whole family was lost in crazy, you know, Christian 
sects. And so uh, both of them were academics. My dad is a scientist. Like, so they hated religion. It was, and it wasn't, yeah, they actively hate and still hate faith and religion. Um, and, and so I started kind of exploring these different spaces as a very young person. And then through my own experiences, discovered pretty early on that like the, the paradigms within which we were being told to operate and were not just broken, but bullshit. And, you know, and sort of my, like, you know, my quote unquote, like awakening or, um, the turn to the, the force <laughs> was like 20 years. <laughs> and that was 20 years of being like, Oh, you mean I don't have to be like hateful and miserable and on medication all the time. And then there was another 10 years of like, cool. So what else could this look like? Hmm. And I had this moment when I was doing my Yoda certification, which I think like is every white woman's initiation the <laughs> 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 um, spirituality privileged white woman, I should say, uh, I was like, oh, like the eight limbs of yoga are a lot like, you know, when I read um, the, what was it? The Tao of Pooh, um, <laughs> which is like, you know, Winnie the Pooh's version mm-hmm. of Taoism. Again, a watered down white woman version of spirituality. So there's a theme developing here. <laughs> but I started to notice like, oh, this is also kind of like the laws of physics that we're talking about here. Like there's a lot in science. And then I had read the old Testament. And I was like, there's a lot in the old Testament that's I'm apparently in Buddhism and, you know, now I'm seeing it in like indigenous cultures and that. And I was like, man, if you can have, I lived in Australia for a long time. If you can have an indigenous Australian telling me the same kind of like rules, rules isn't the right word, but the, um, constructs of how life and energy work. And it mirrors what my like, you know, AP biology teacher was telling me, which is also apparently what this dude who sat in lotus position on the side of a mountain for 20 years figured out. Like that seems as evidential proof as you could possibly get. Like whether like thousands of years apart, tens of thousands of miles apart, these individuals still came to the same conclusions. And yeah. And then I just like went off the fucking deep end and (laughs) also saw the matrix and I was like, okay, cool. We do really do create our own reality. And yeah, everything is, is here in this moment. It's just, if we're willing to allow ourselves to experience it and, Mm. um, really like play with it, not just see it, feel it, believe it, but yeah, like, and you know, I think it's like that pendulum, um, and transurfing it's, it's kind of almost knowing like, as soon as you have awareness around it, it's probably like slipping slippery already. So mm-hmm. anywho, that's my little, that's true. Okay. So when someone asks you what you do or what is your work, what's your answer? That's always a hard question. <laughs> um, there's a formula that Judy Carter has. That's really helpful where she's like, you know how, and then you like fill in the blank of like, you know, how people have a problem for instance. Yeah. And then you fill that out and then it's like, well, I take people who have that and I help them by doing this and I'm qualified because of this. For the most part, I teach people or I help them to really take a deep, deeper under to get a better understanding of who they are. Like the idea of purpose to me, I think is 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 it can be put into a statement, like a uh maybe like an essence statement even. 
And there's a ton of different ideas and theories about all of this. It's super interesting. Uh, there's different methodologies and modalities to kind of go through these processes, but it's layers too. I think we're always discovering new parts to ourselves, but I think we're just mostly uh, building on top of the initial foundation, you know? So I, I would say, I guess in the short way that I help people to find purpose when I work with them. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm also doing other just pretty straightforward businesses too. And, uh, you know, learning more about that, you know, cause like, I don't know the whole self-help coaching world can be so disingenuous, exhausting, toxic, uh, cannibalistic, <laughs> all of those types of things. Um, and so you really have to work really hard and differentiate yourself and bring something unique and different. And I think there's been such a flood to that industry in particular, where a lot of people are doing very similar things. And once this, once information comes out, boom, it's out, you know? So you can't, uh, you're, you can't really hang on to like secrets anymore. I don't think <laughs> if, if there are any secrets, you know? Yeah. But you know, I, I say all that not to like, downgrade self-help. I think it's awesome. I just think it's a lot of noise and it's a lot of posturing and marketing and all that kind of stuff. So I am kind of backing away from it a little bit at the moment. I still work with, I have a couple of clients, but I, I haven't been actively recruiting, you know, as much as I have been, but my methodology is really mostly transurfing uh, methodology and then I integrate a lot of stuff from Robert Anton Wilson and uh, Carl Jung and the Enneagram, which I think is a sacred, awesome uh, map. But yeah, I mean, that's the majority of what I've done. And, I, and I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing people. <laughs> so I'm very satisfied. Uh, but it's also exhausting, you know, like yeah. working with people and helping them get through their trauma. Like, that shit is a lot of energy, you know? <laughs> like, uh, and I, and I love that I've been able to do it and help people get through that. I give, I help them with tools, all kinds of stuff. But I mean, this stuff is so widely known now. Like when I first started doing this, it wasn't as nearly as accessible. You had to get really lucky to find somebody who could do Reiki on you or take you through a trauma release session or something like that. Like, but there's so many people who are doing it now it's really kind of hard to stand out, like, unless you have a, a specialty. And uh, I could have got caught just teaching transurfing, nothing else, you know, as part of that, like, group, or whatever, but that didn't, that didn't really fit either. You know, because it's kind of, it's antithetical to the model, because it's really about, you know, expressing your own individuality anyways. Mm -hmm. So I kind of started to focus on purpose. In his model, he talks about goals. And that's really what it what it is, you know, find your goal. And when you find your goal, your life becomes a celebration. That's the quote. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. It's like, oh, cool, I have something to work for. I have something that I can get up every day. But to me, it's, a, it's synonymous as purpose. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and I like, I, again, as a like serial entrepreneur, multi-passionate or whatever fucking word you want to use for it, 
I like when I take a big step back and when I take a big step back and I look at your sort of kaleidoscope or constellation of focus and purpose, like it all fits in there. And some might say like, well, how does an Airbnb help people find purpose? But like you're creating a, a nest for people. You're creating an anchor point for people. And for anyone who's stayed anywhere ever, like places feel different and it can wildly influence your experience somewhere. And so like, I would be curious if you've thought, I'm, I'm assuming you've thought about this from like every single angle, but when you kind of take that step back and you look at like your, you know, your corporation, if you will, with all of your different like entities within it, the rafting, I mean, I bet you do some like very subversive personal development work in rafting <laughs> um, and your comedy, like getting up there and, and performing comedy, that it's a transmutation of energy and making people laugh. Some would argue is the most sacred work you can do on this earth. And I mean, putting out your podcast and having all of these conversations with people. And of course, like the, the being an actual service, does it, does it feel like it all fits now when you kind of look at it or does it, you know, it's kind of going back to like, how do you juggle it all question, but does it feel contained or does it feel like, how does it feel for you? Let me ask that. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel, I feel grounded. I feel certain. I feel certain that I'm, you know, doing the thing that's at least going to lead me to doing the right thing, whatever that is for me. Right. Like for, for me, I've come up with a very simple purpose statement for myself and it's really just to bring other people joy. And as long as I'm doing that, I can do that in so many ways, right? Like I can make a yep. YouTube video or talk about my, you know, uh, rogue nipple on stage or whatever, right? Like some stupid thing. Um, or I can just be every day walking around and just smile at somebody and tell them, hey, how are you doing today? You know, like whatever, make a joke in the, in the gas station line. There's so many ways for me to do that. And if I'm doing that, then I know that I'm at least... I'm actively paying attention and I'm doing my best to be that person, be the, be the best version of myself and be on purpose. And I think um, as far as doing it all, it sometimes it seems like I have a lot in my head, but I, there was a book called The Instant Millionaire. And I think he said, choose both. Millionaires figure out a way to choose both. And that for me, rafting, getting through this season, because I used to be a raft guide a few years ago and I was full time just before I kind of came to these conclusions and started asking who I am and what is the world and all this stuff. I just wanted to have fun and I just wanted to pursue things that I thought were cool and I was passionate about, which at the time, whitewater rafting and skiing. So that's what I was doing. And that's all I was doing for like four years. <laughs> so I did that for like four years. And, uh, but I really love rafting. I would call that more of a hobby because I would do it like, I would work up there part time and take people down the river part time. But it wasn't like I was living on the property in a little cabana and doing the whole raft guide, you know, live out of your car kind of thing this year. But I definitely had to be very intentional about it because if I didn't keep focus and attention on it, then I wasn't going to get through the season. I, it would it would fall away. So I had to be very intentional about it. And I had to go up there every weekend, you know, or almost every weekend. Because had I fallen off at or at the early stage, it would have just I wouldn't have had the opportunity. Now I get to go back. I can be back next year. 
and work either part-time or if I want to do full-time, maybe I can do that next year if I want. But it helps me to have different projects to work on because I can mm. become very obsessive if I just have yeah. one <clears throat> and that's, yeah. a, that's a problem for me. So if I can just be like, all right, I can go to this other thing, then I won't obsess. I can take that energy. That's so interesting. I can completely 100% relate to that, but I've I've never isolated it to that awareness level because it's it it's been so long since I've only had one thing. <laughs> but like thank you cuz you're just you're giving me this like massive aha moment of cuz the fear is never for a minute there I thought maybe the fear was that like this thing wouldn't work out. But it's like I'm too obsessive to let something die. Like that's actually the problem. It's like, I am like, I am like working like this. I'm like the zombie resuscitator when it comes to projects. And I'm like, it's still alive. Like I'll keep it chained up into the basement and feed it my heart. Um, uh, But yeah, no, that's a really cool way of thinking about it. Um, It's like giving it's, Cause then you get that, like that chasing desperation, like you've mentioned like working really hard. And and I also kind of wanted to differentiate that. Like there's a difference I think between that drive that shows up when you are truly passionate and inspired and like challenged by something. And it is hard work, but that's not to say like you're, you're desperately busying yourself, which can be like how other hard work, like it can look, it can look exactly the same, quite honestly, it's how you're approaching it and engaging with that activity. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. When I just have one thing, like it, it gets fucking weird. Um, and yeah, so thanks. That just gave me permission more, not that I need it. Cause I have like a million thousand <laughs> things going on, but, um, well, and one of the reasons I like to ask people like, what do you do for work is because it's like a really, it's, you know, that question is like, so 2002, I feel like, but you know, the other thing I really like to explore with people is this concept of like creativity and artistry in work, because I think kind of like a lot of these doctrines or systems or ways of thinking, um, it's, it's a loaded question. And I started to tune into spirituality and energetics through the lens of artistry and creativity, which I also pedestalized and felt like, I don't get to be an artist because I don't have an MFA and I can't draw something to save my goddamn life. Um, <laughs> so how do you like, do, firstly, do you consider yourself an artist? Yeah. I mean, I have, yeah, I do. And a big, big reason why is the artist way. It was again, giving, yeah. giving permission to be an artist. You know, I'm, I'm a writer. I, I write and I do comedy and, I'm working on ideas. I've got a bunch of different ideas in my head that aren't developed yet, but I've got some that are obviously that, that I'm doing in my stand-up routine and stuff. But even business, I think is, it's a create, it's definitely a creative art. You're going to find the same thing, things and processes that you've got to do, no matter what your business is, no matter what it is that you're selling, you still, um, you still have to sell it. <laughs> you still have to have, you know, clients and make sure they're happy and follow up with them and have a good offer and do all of those types of things. And we've seen a lot of in- ingenious things in business, Airbnb being one of them. I think it speaks volumes about how terrible our economy really is when we have to resort to something like a sharing economy, when we have to share things that I already own. <laughs> but at the same time, it's ingenious, right? Because it's, yeah. it's, it's allowed for another way to make to make revenue out of something that you 
already have. So in a, in a sense for me, like I look at it as free money, you know, <laughs> um, as well. well. I think it is of a way like the, like individualism that, especially that we experience in the United States, like, I think I have no idea what the app is called, but like people in my neighborhood started all sharing like their lawnmower and like, you know, their cordless vacuum and, you know, a table saw and like these things that for, for your average user, you, you don't need very often. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, for someone like my partner who has like every fucking tool under the sun and also takes it with him every, he has a trailer the size of a house that (laughs) like, you know, for him to be able to like monetize that, not that he would ever let anyone touch his toys another story um but anywho like i like i can see the like wow shit must be getting really rough if you want to like charge <laughs> someone to sleep on your couch or in your spare bedroom but also like i think it's cool that we have these opportunities now cuz unfortunately like money is still how this world mm. very much works and for some of us who like could probably never get like a real job. I mean, I like I my default is like bartending and I often fantasize about being a bartender again, <laughs> especially like down by the beach. But anywho, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think like, I don't know, maybe this isn't where you were going, but like creativity and artistry and monetization can connect like purpose or, you know, art to this financial system that we're all trying to figure out how to survive it. Yeah, I think so. 100%, you know, and I'm taking a little bit of a a jab at like the sharing economy based on our economy. But what I'm really want to point out is that even in a difficult economy where, you know, we're being, you know, it's more and more difficult increasingly to do your own thing, Mm. there were still fine ways to do it. And that's amazing. So I think that's what like, like, you know, this is why I had, I had a very distinct moment where I went from being the pessimist to the optimist. Mm. Like it was, it was a, a three minute exchange of con- like part of a longer conversation, but like, and it was deep in my like music industry, music management days. And I, I like, as a part of that, like, I also believe, and as cheesy as it sounds like art saves and it is the creatives that will figure out these intractable problems. Mm-hmm. And so that's in this reverence that I have for art and creativity and in the pedestalizing I always did of artists. And then, in also allowing myself to fall into that category. Uh, I do feel like we now have this responsibility, this purpose, this calling to like figure it the fuck out. And you can't do that if you're just hating on everything. No, you can't. I love that. You know, it brings me back to that artist way book. One of the things that she said that always stuck with me was like, like when God creates, it's not one flower. It's like a whole field of them. You know, we, Mm. it's just what we do. It's natural manifestation. I feel it's it's the same thing. People talk all this stuff and it's like, well, manifest. It's like, dude, that's natural. You know, it's like, yeah, before I went to go do the rafting thing this year, you know, which I'm so glad I did. It was really healthy for me physically and in emotionally. Just being outside. Yeah. It was so healing. And that's definitely, and I can bring people joy, right? When they're in my boat. So that's easy to do. You know, I get to take them down the river and share one of my favorite experiences with them, which is awesome. Doing those things. It's like the creative aspect is, um, it's just, you, you just can't help it. It's just, it just is who we are. So, oh, that's what it was. I was talking about like whole manifesting thing. It was like, I knew I wanted to do that. I saw an image of it in my head 
you know, and then I just send a couple of emails, you know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. But I mean, even for me, like I went up, I went up to the river and like, just checked it out, like pulled off the highway and, you know, touched it or whatever. And I did, it was cold. It was like December at the time, but I was like, I, I want to be doing this. Like declare that intention and yeah, send an email. And it was like, yeah, we'd love to have you. I mean, I had experience and all that stuff already. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, like it can be that easy. It is. It can. It is often that easy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the hard, the hard parts are going to be staying with it, going up there when you don't feel like it, you know, getting, getting through the resistances to continue the process. But as long as you have a system in place where you can make yourself do it, whatever that is, then then it's just a matter of showing up, you know. Yep. The whole like throw that's kind of where I feel like this role of like coach is crucial. Is like it's not hard to get the thing; it's hard to like hold on to it. And you know, there's a million different ways of kind of thinking about it. I like to think of it almost like tests. And like the good news is, it's like, you know, kind of to your point earlier, like you will get more tests. Like, don't you worry about that. If you fail this one, there is another yeah, pop quiz yeah, at the end of the day. <laughs> um, but, you know, for me and in, in terms of my own success and like why I started doing this uh, was that firstly, I think business and entrepreneurship and just trying to do your own thing, like unplug from the matrix, it, it's impossible and purposefully designed to be so. And, you know, I am more accountable to others than I am myself. And maybe it is because I like making people happy and I like enabling people to find their own joy and fulfillment. And so when I know someone else is paying attention, like I'm going to show up in a different way. I think that's also like, a that's another one of the laws of physics, like observation changes the nature of the structure of that particular, whatever it is that you're observing. Mm -hmm. Um, Words, science, That's good. good at them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been practicing in the mirror. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> mirror work, just like yeah, awkwardly staring at yourself. Right. That's supposed to do something really, really impactful. I'm, I'm always just like, I'm awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you, um, I'm going to have a drink. Do you want a drink? Like, let's have a drink. Right, right. <laughs> um, That's great. But, uh, yeah, it was more, it, I, I definitely stumbled into this, but I also have those, but you know, my, and I think a lot of creative and artists have this challenge. Like there are, there are so many ideas and so many threads to which to pull on. Like, how do you know, like, how do you know which one or, or when do you know, like, okay, we've kind of reached the end of the line. And I think kind of where I'm going with this specifically for you is like, what is your creative process? How do you kind of pull these things out of the ether hmm. We've, I mean, clearly your, your, your manifestation powers are strong, <laughs> yes. but like, you know, and, and with all of the different things that you're working on, like, do you even think about it like a creative process? And if so, is it just the morning pages or how does it show up for you? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's the, it's the age old Norm Macdonald question. Where do you get your ideas from? <laughs> it's, it's one of the best questions ever. And it, it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah. So for my, for me, for my process, I start with the morning pages and then I have uh, I have writing. I do writing, and I've I've tried different ways to kind of do things. You know, I'll I have I have tinkered with my process and still continue to do so. But I have a big whiteboard in there, and I just jot stuff down mm. that comes to mind. I yeah. try to write down ideas every day, 
and yeah. uh, the good ones will stick around. Most of them are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest thing for me is like, and this is a comedy thing too, but you can apply it to anything, but like write a list of 10. One idea will be good out of that 10 and get used to failing, right? Like get used yeah. to having bad ideas that don't work. And the ones that you are passionate about or you can't kind of shake, um, then just continue to pursue those. And then kind of like a joke, right? It has to marinate. You have to, <laughs> you know, like wait on these, these ideas to connect. Um, and eventually they will. But for me, I keep a list of ideas in my phone and I have a couple different notepads. One's mostly just comedy, but like I have another one where I'll write down like ideas for videos to make or just, you know, different things like that. And uh, <clears throat> it's, I think it's just an innate thing for us. So we're always thinking of something different to do, something new, a, a better way to do things. So it's a very much a natural part of just being human. And it's really hard for us to just accept the fact that we're naturally creative, you know, mm. it's, and I, and I understand it. I don't know where that exactly comes from, but I had to fight through it myself. And it's like, I have a background as a musician <laughs> and you know, when somebody says you're really creative, I'm like, what? But I used to have a roommate that lived uh, with me and he'd come home and he would just be amazed. He was like, dude, I don't know how you do this. And he was a teacher and you know, and a coach, uh, like a football coach. And he just, it didn't, it didn't make sense to him in his world, you know, for him, it needed to be laid out and regimented. And for some people it's like that. Um, but for me, I, I can't help myself, you know, like I, I'm going to constantly be writing things down and thinking of things, whether it's musical, or like it was most, most of my energy was focused toward that like a decade ago. Uh, but that's turned into doing comedy now and writing and trying to help people, right? If I can shortcut this process and make it easy for them or take what I've learned and just be like, yo, here, check out the icky guy, get your Enneagram, you know, like do all the astrology stuff too and all of that and mix it all together and, uh, and sit down and write what you think your purpose might be, you know, for 30 minutes. And when you write something that makes you break down in tears, that's it. You, you found it. <laughs> you know? Congratulations. I, I used to say like, I didn't do my job unless I made you cry. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's what we want. I let, I let that go. But what, so what is your Enneagram? I'm a two type two wing three. Okay. Yeah. I don't actually know what that is. I'm the, hel is it? the helper assistant assistant. Oh, okay. um, if you were to guess what mine was, I do know what mine probably is. Probably a four. What would you guess? I would guess four. I, I'm a seven. Okay. Is that rebel? Seven. Yeah. Like that seven's like, yeah, the, I think the I am a seven. Yeah. The, oh, well then is it? A, okay. I don't know my Enneagram. I lied. <laughs> well, the, different people have different names for the numbers. So the, oh, okay. yeah, you, you're probably right. That's probably still. Why? What's five in your book? So five is like the investigator. It's like the oh, okay. very curious but no, I'm off, pretty sure off, I was like a seven. Like a seven ascends to a five and descends to a one. Okay. So uh, it's escapist. Oh, interesting. It's that same kind of like shadow dark. Yeah. Yeah. So a two goes to a four to be more individualistic and more like, mm -hmm. like aware of self because we're natural, just good helpers. Uh, and we descend to an eight, which is the... Um, the, I don't, I don't want to say aggressor, but the challenger, the, 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 the kind of mm. person that would, you know, they would show you love in a kind of a harsh way. Um, yeah. nothing, you know, maybe not harsh, but 
challenging, um, a challenging way. So what that means is if I don't, if, if I don't go toward the four, then I could potentially repress a bunch of stuff and then just blow up as the eight, you know, like that, that's the, the plight of the two, the two needs to seek autonomy and individuality and being different, you know, and setting itself apart. Like we are very collectivistic and I'm just like, Oh, you want to do that? Here's how I can help you, you know? And uh, we, we can intuitively kind of sense other people's needs, but we expect them to do that too. And that they don't, not, not everybody can, can do that. So what happens a lot of times with a type two is they'll just repress anything that upset them or they'll expect something from somebody without asking. And then they start to get angry, you know, that, 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 that becomes like just repressed anger and then they blow up. And so knowing that about myself is like, holy shit, I need to ask for the things that I need and I need to be assertive. And like knowing that it's made a huge difference because now instead of just burying it, <laughs> whatever it was, I can say, Hey, you know, I really, I really need it, you to hear me or whatever it is that I need yeah. in that moment instead of expecting somebody to just naturally pick it up. Cause it's like, it's one thing to put ourselves in our, in somebody else's shoes, but we usually put ourselves in their shoes as us. Yeah. It's not yep. the same. <clears throat> no. So it's helped me a lot with that. And then the Enneagram is, it's, it's like a cheat code for writing story for your characters. It's unreal. Ooh. <clears throat> yeah. Big time. Oh, well, I'm going to just let you leave that teaser in here. Cause that, <laughs> I mean, I think you just sold the Enneagram, but like, uh, in terms of writing your story, that's that, you know, I love, like, I love frameworks. I work with one, um, that also uses numbers because what I like about that is it's not loaded. Like I don't have a lot of feelings about being a two or a seven, but you know, when you are even like a Taurus or Scorpio, right, right. <laughs> <there's some> feelings. <laughs> but, uh, that was a jab at Scorpios and, yeah. uh, on purpose. Um, <laughs> um, that's yeah, no, I, I mean, and that like, again, I think it's all like same, same, but different. And so any framework within which gives us these strategies and these ways of creating what it is that we desire in our experience are inherently useful. I kind of wanted to circle back to like your creative process. I mean, it sounds like it's always something firstly that came natural and therefore you invested in it probably because usually like if you're good at something, people want you to sell it essentially, especially in the United States. And so you're encouraged to do the thing you're good at. And art is a little bit different because we don't see it as being uh, easily monetized. And so it's always like, well, you know, don't, don't do that, do this. And I did a lot of research on like why we uh, didn't honor creativity as a skill, like we did math or science. And that goes, you know, back to God being the creator and it being blasphemous Mm. to think as humans, we could create. Wow. But how, like, do you have a daily routine? Like you mentioned red being regimented, um, like your, your housemate, uh, had this like very sort of dogmatic way about going uh, about his life and lifestyle. Does your creativity or do your days look routine or are they what most people I think consider the artist to be like chaotic? (laughs) Well, it depends. Uh, And mostly I do have a routine mostly because that just keeps that momentum going. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I like to break it and I don't do, I yeah. don't hold myself to it every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't hold myself to it every day. Like today I didn't wake up and do any writing. I just slept in. I did like three, three mics on Tuesday and a show last night and I'm tired, you know, like as yeah. far as the creative wow. output. By three mics, do you mean like you hosted three different things on well, one day? I was, yeah, I did comedy in three different, at three different spots in Whoa. Atlanta on Tuesday. And they're mostly open mics, but I mean, you know, that's five minutes here, five minutes there, two minutes there, uh, running all over town, which is cool to be able to do that much in one night. But also, you know, it's, it's cyclical too. Like if you put all that out, then you got to kind of, you gotta, you gotta like rest yep. and yep. rejuvenate. And I'm a big advocate of rest, even more so than yeah. I thought. Like, uh, I think, I don't think we're supposed to work more than a few hours a day. I really don't. Um, you know, I still do it. <laughs> I still work. And, and, and how do you, you know, separating work from whatever purpose, life, you know, passion, all those things is kind of different, but, but I am a big advocate of like rest, you know, enough sleep and taking time off and getting away. It's like, it's, it's amazing doing the rafting actually this year made me realize just how much I don't have to be in front of, like I can get stuff done Mm -hmm. in two hours and then I could, that I could really actually be done in two hours. If I would just for those two hours, focus (laughs) on what needs to be done. And then I wouldn't have to, my obligations, let's say, or my task list uh, would be fulfilled for the day as opposed to literally like waiting around and being available all the time, which is doing nothing but just sucking up all my energy when I could be resting or creating something else. Yeah. And I feel like this kind of brings us back to the very beginning of this conversation and this idea of like having to work so hard and really trusting in that timing. That has been probably... I mean, I feel like this year it really I'm in I'm in, you know, full trust. But that idea that like I knew I needed to write a bunch of articles or I knew I needed to, you know, do all of my like taxes and, you know, um like 1099 forms and like like I, I have in that discipline and that structure and that routine, especially like seasonally, let alone in my day, like I know what's supposed to happen when. But yeah, sometimes I just don't feel like fucking doing it or I'm exhausted. I just went down the rabbit hole in some new project and obsession. And I, you know, when I think about like, how much am I supposed to be working? I only have a couple hours of shit I don't want to do. And like literally two in a day. Um, But like, there's a lot of things that look like work probably to other people that I get off on and I think it's super fucking fun. And I have almost endless, I do have endless amounts of energy for it. But to your point, I've realized like, you know, you could probably do open mic nights all day, every day for a while. And then you would like crash. crash. And so that almost gets to be like this right now. This isn't work for me. This is the reward for my work. This is, this is the thing that I get to look forward to and get to have fun with. And like, this will jack me up for the rest of the day. (laughs) So then I can like pepper in some like actual work shit that I don't really want to do. But learning to trust that if you let it happen when you feel like it, like you'll get it all done and it's good. I mean, especially with creativity, when you try and push like the creative project when it's not there, like 
it kind of sucks. Oh, it way sucks. And, you know, sometimes like we don't, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about is like we don't all have the liberty and the agency to just do what we want whenever the fuck we want. And I totally get that. And, you know, that's like in my writing the other day, like I, I, you know, behind catch up, like these are all just terms that I don't actually believe in. But there was there was some to do's that had piled up. And I know with my, like, I, I, it takes me two hours before something decent comes out in terms of my writing, unless like I've got that spark. And even then, like, let's be real. It's not like a good 45 minutes or like it gets good. And so, you know, I kind of like throw my ego a bone and I'm like, oh, we're getting so much done. And then when the good stuff starts happening, I can just like casually delete those other things that don't are not, no one ever has to look at them. But, <laughs> you know, that's like the the whiteboard on the, you know, I call it like the squirrel cage. And so like all those distractions that are like kind of peripherating, um, you know, around the edges, like I can, I can call it in because, and this is where I was going with this huge like rant. Um, I think the muse wants to be wined and dined. Like, I don't think she likes being ignored or, you know, deleted. And so she, like, having a space for those ideas, having the routine, mm-hmm. creating that structure. That's where then I find like the flow and the freedom can exist, but they really don't. Like when I let myself just run free and go wild, like it's, it's a surprisingly short amount of time before I'm uninspired. I'm bored. I'm like lethargic. It's not like I have a reason to be tired, but I don't have the energy to even do the things that I want to do. And so that's where like routine, I'm always fascinated by people's routine and this concept of discipline. And thank you for saying like, oh yeah, I got it. And then I don't do it because you're tuning into presence. It's, I mean, it, it, it is true. I mean, and I just read another creative book and this guy brought up an excellent point in it where he's talking about like, you're always going to have sexy work and unsexy work, you know, like this is the fun part where you know, we get to chop it up and, and talk and connect. Um, then you got to like download it and edit it and upload it and all that, which is way less sexy. Uh, or if you're like a, even, I think his, his point is like Brad Pitt or whomever, they still have to do these celebrity appearances or, uh, you know, yeah. like whatever. I always think about that with the actors. Like, did you want to do like Hollywood squares? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like it's just part of it. And we all have that kind of, I would say monotonous work that we have to do no matter what it is, no matter what, you know, and there's, there's the more glorious part of it. And then there's the sort of more mundane part of it, but no one escapes that was his point. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really a good point. You know, it's like, I need to continue, you know, like I take a day off. Sure. But you know, then the next day I'm back on that, I'm back on that uh, schedule. I'm doing morning pages. I'm writing for an hour, you know, whatever that winds up being. But you know, the best advice to in my opinion, is to just start small. Just start with one little thing, mm. you know, and whatever that is, if that's a physical thing, just start with something that you know you can do. That way you don't feel like anytime I'm going to make a change, it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, no more. I'm not eating meat. I'm not eating anything but fruit for the rest of my life. It's like, bro, that's not going to happen. Like make one small change, right? Like stop eating a sugary snack late at night. Just stop, just stop doing that then don't change anything else. Just, just stop that. Or just, just do morning pages or just meditate 10 minutes or do yoga for 10 minutes or whatever that is. But 
do something because nothing is worse than that. Like when we let ourselves down, that's kind of the worst, mm. which I've done it, you know, like we, I think we oh all God, have. Oh a hundred thousand times. <laughs> yeah. Every day. <laughs> like. So, so for me, it just helps me to make like a little, a little task. Like I know I can get this done. And then generally speaking, I want to keep going. Like if I can write for 10 minutes or 20 minutes, like even showing up, you know, an hour earlier, 30 minutes early and just bringing my notebook and then putting myself in a position where it's like, okay, well, I'm bored enough. I'm actually going to write, you know, mm. and just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. How can we put ourselves in that situation? You know, throwing the hat over the fence, just, you know, what Stephen Pressfield would say, just showing up, just showing up to the yeah. desk is the hardest part, you know? Um, it's like putting your workout clothes on is the hardest part. I mean, for me, it was the burpees, but you know, like, <laughs> fuck burpees. I get, the, I get the, I get the point, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Mr. Bootsy, uh, this has been unbelievable. I feel like that last piece of brilliance, the little seed planted <laughs> is perhaps a of, of point of finality, at least in this particular moment. Um, <laughs> do you want people to find you? Where could they find you? I mean, I just want to like go see one of your comedy shows. Um, I would love that. And also go rafting. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. My, I'm like trying to, I'm planning my escape to the South. Um, awesome. I always do that. And then I always, I describe, well, New Orleans very specifically because mm. I lived there for a while and I went to jazz fest like in like 2000. It, might have actually been 2000 or maybe 1999. And I was like, I will live here one day. And then I did. And now I describe New Orleans like she's my mistress. Like I'm completely obsessed with her. I think about her all the time. But when I am inside of her, I know it is only a matter of time before I blow up my entire life and I have to get out. And I'm filled with guilt and shame mm -hmm. and like heartburn after the fact. And um, and then I just pine for her when I'm not here. So um, yeah. And I don't know. I think the South has that effect on That's people. That's so but, funny. That's really accurately yeah. uh, described. I mean, yeah, words. she. <laughs> Is uh, uh, twin flame. <laughs> yeah, definitely, <laughs> sure. definitely the twin flame vibes. Yeah, um, if people want to find me, they certainly can. I'm, I'm, you know, very responsive to messages and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, I have a little how to find your purpose thing on my personal website. That's bootsygreenwood.com, and then we have some other stuff on the blue collar mystics thing. There's like a little blueprint thing you can download on the blue collar mystics website. That's blue collar mystics.org. And, uh, yeah, I've got some comedy clips on my website. I just use the menu. It's like the comedy tab there. And, you know, other than that, um, really just, yeah, working on starting a new, uh, with, with the Airbnb stuff, doing, doing some more stuff with that and starting a new business. That's not really, self-developmenty <laughs> but i'm really excited Me too. i'm about in the that. middle of like launching something as well well um i'm gonna reach out to you and connect with you cool. uh not not on the microphone because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah obviously i really enjoy this but i'd love to hear about all the things you've got cooking and yeah always stay in touch um for anybody listening, Blue Collar Mystics is phenomenal. And I'm really, really loving that project. The people that you get on there are so, like, just so cool. I don't know how you know all these cool people. I mean, you know, like, 
like attracts like, obviously, <laughs> right? um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, you get some, like, I just, I like, I like not hearing the same people talking. Sometimes you get into these like podcast verses and it's, everyone's just kind of like, like talking to the same people. And you seem to have this really, really interesting network. And I learned so much from listening to you and to your people. So thank you. Thank you just so much for doing everything that you do. And for making this world a more joyful place. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Nicole. It's always great uh, talking. Absolute pleasure. And yeah. So thanks, everybody. Peace. Have a wonderful day. 